Hello and welcome to Talking Fußball Extra, the Ausstieg edition, your source for all things Zweite Bundesliga and German lower tier football. Happy New Year to all of you guys who've been listening to our bi-weekly shows on, you know, the greatest leagues in the world. Hope you've had a happy and uh, thoroughly safe holiday season. My name is Nick Viltang and I'm delighted that the Bundesliga 2 is back and uh, Derby loser Mike Krikemeyer. How has your restart to the season been so far? Yeah, I'm not that delighted that the Bundesliga 2 is back, but at least I'm delighted that we now have one week without a game so we can charge our uh, batteries again and then it will improve. It must. Well, uh, so last year you pretty much played the, the part of the smart guy who, whose team went from success to success and topped the table. And well, that part doesn't fall to me now. That actually falls to Jasmine Baba, who's enjoying her life over there in Darmstadt. So uh, how smug are you on a scale from, I don't know, uh, a Boris Johnson press conference to um, somebody who's actually humble? Um, definitely the Boris Johnson way. Yeah, that game against Ingolstadt was very good for us. Obviously, top of the table and finish that game with over 5xG. So, very good performance. But people who watch the game and know a bit about xG will know why it was so high. Little bit misleading. Right. Well, uh, given that she's in Bojo mode, uh, look out for her quoting Latin quotes <laughs> further down in the show. Anyways, uh, today we'll be taking a closer look at our predictions for the Rückrunde as we've gone through our top lists of the Hinrunde on our last show, so we walk you through that. We'll give you a couple of the biggest news stories that have occurred both in the Bundesliga 2 and in the lower leagues. And there will be, of course, more ground-hopping advice from Mike Krickemeyer coming up on this show. So all of that is to come. Welcome to part one of the show, where we take a closer look at the Bundesliga 2. And, uh, well, uh, before we get into the good stuff that is going on at the top of the table, let's take a closer look at Fortuna Düsseldorf. They are a traditional German football team. They are pretty much one of the sides that has a long and illustrious history in the Bundesliga. A big side from North Rhine-Westphalia. But uh, so far, the season hasn't really treated them kindly. They are actually... 15th on 20 points. They uh, lost to Nuremberg on this match day. Uh, the week before, they uh, were beaten quite handily by Werder Bremen 3-0. So that restart to the Rikunda has gone uh, thoroughly awry. And, you know, before the restart even happened, there was a bit of uh, a merry-go-around at the top of the pile at the club as, as board members were let go and uh, suddenly Klaus Alves was made to be the man in charge of all sporting decisions. Mike, Jasmine, what do we make of what's actually going on at Düsseldorf at the moment? Yeah, um, it will be a hard second part of the season for them, I think. Um, normally, they are too big to fail, first of all, and then, of course, also too good to get down. But this was also the case for some other clubs in the last few years. And so you can't be too sure that it won't happen to you. And, well... If I take a look at the next two games, they need to play in Kiel, who are recovering uh, in the last few weeks. Then they need to play Schalke at home, 
Well, and after these two games, if there are no more points, it will be quite challenging to face Erzgebirge Aue at home. So let's wait and see. But at the moment, uh, it, it all looks a little bit difficult to them. And then I also realized uh, just before the start of the show that uh, Emmanuel Ioa is now injured. Uh, so it, it won't get any better. Yeah, but I mean, if we look at the squad, uh, you have a decent goalkeeper in Florian Kastmeier there. You have even some Bundesliga experience in, uh, you know, like guys like Matthias Zimmermann, Florian Hartherz in, in defense. A little further up the pitch, you have Felix Klaus, Karl Neri, um, Edgar Pripp, all experienced guys at this level. And, um, you know, you mentioned that injury, but, you know, even still, at, on top of playing striker, you have Rowan Hannings, who's a very well-experienced striker at this level. So just walking through these names and looking at that roster, Jasmine, you surely have to think that, they should be doing better. So where's the problem? I think one of the main problems was going with... Um, Christian Preusser. I'm going to say inexperienced manager. Uh, their choice of... Yeah, only really Freiburg 2. It's a little bit of a weird um, appointment. It was kind of weird at the, at the start. If he's a good talent, fine. But it's also about fit. It's also about navigating this very extremely weird league we saw with um, Zimmerman from Hanover, just not Hackett at all, another inexperienced manager. And sometimes it is better to go for a bigger name. Um, I mean, we had quite a few managers out of work that could have come into a bigger team that wasn't chosen either. So I wonder if it's just a bad matchup and just a bit too inexperienced for quite a big standing, as you said, traditional club like Dusseldorf. They have scored more goals than the teams around them, but it's mainly that they keep conceding. They keep on conceding quite high XG allowed. Uh, if you take in all the numbers with all the clubs around them. Sandhausen's worse, Auer's worse, but, you, you know, they're quite close to Auer and Ingolstadt. Sandhausen's the worst of those three, but overperforming, so they really need to get a little bit more higher than around them, but as you said, they've got the experience. It's either the experience has just worn out after the last two seasons for the ones I've come from the season being relegated, which if we compare it to someone like Third of Damon, it was actually quite clever to get rid of quite those if players that had been hanging around weren't good enough for Bundesliga and were going to drain the side. And you can also look at past managers also dragging them down. If you've not had a good system there for a while, those players are going to be used to the bad system and an inexperienced manager on top of that aren't going to get them to work well. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the last 10 matches, they have um, taken eight points. Surprisingly, they won against Darmstadt, which was a really big upset. Bogey team. <laughs> them and Kozura are definitely Darmstadt's bogey team. I think Kozura and Dusseldorf have been around for a while. Uh, those are the, There's three bogey Darmstadt teams that you need to have a look for the season. Dusseldorf, Karlsruhe and Paderborn. 
And uh, one of the other points actually came against St. Pauli, and uh, then there was a win against uh, Karlsruhe in there as well, and a draw against HSV. But yeah, other than that, uh, the results have been dire, and they've been losing against sides that are around them in the table too, like Hans Rostock and such. And you wonder, how long is Christian Preusser actually going to stay there? I mean, Klaus Olof said after the match this weekend, where they once again lost uh, 1-0 to Nuremberg, that we're not going to discuss the coach, He's going to stay, but eight points from ten matches. Even if your ambition is to be a side that is mid-table in the Bundesliga, I mean the writing is on the wall, isn't it? Yeah, the dangerous thing is that we all know Sandhausen won't go down. There is a rule in German football, true, <laughs> and so therefore they need to catch up one other team, and well, might be might be difficult and. Uh, maybe that's that's the old uh, Bremen school of keeping your coach as long as possible that uh, is now followed by Klaus Alofs. It worked so well for the Bremen last season. Oh, that's the old Otto Rehagel way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I mean, um, Sandhausen, uh, we should mention that, uh, actually have a game in hand as this, their match against uh, Karlsruhe SC was postponed due to a massive COVID outbreak at Karlsruhe SC. So... Karlsruhe say if they don't win against Sandhausen, Sandhausen will be even closer to them in the table. And uh, well, lucky for them, our look pretty useless, even though they managed to get a 2 2 draw against St. Pauli uh, on the first match day of the restart. After that, they lost 5 0 to Schalke. So let's take a look at what's going on at the top of the table now that we've sort of discussed what's been going on there in the bottom half um this is certainly a story that we're going to follow but we'll uh, save that for later episodes but let's take a look at the top half of the table and hey there's been a changing of the guards mike you were smiling at us all hindered along being smug and now your team had a bit of a cup hangover and during the derby didn't they I just learned bogey team. Uh, I really like that. So uh, I can definitely say that Erzgebirgau is the bogey team for FC St. Pauli since, I don't know, 1910, more or less. And and this game was, yeah, we need to win that. We should win that. But they shoot on our goal two times and they score twice and that's pretty much it. Uh, in, in the end, we need to, to say that we are lucky to, to score the equalizer in injury time. So, uh, yeah, that's it. And then, yeah, the derby, maybe we, we had our luck in the last couple of years. So it was time to give that away again. Um, I, I followed the match and in the end, I need to say it was a well-deserved win by HSV. They were the better team and... Um, it's a little bit annoying that the equalizer was scored after a corner. I really don't like that. <laughs> but it was it was a good corner anyhow. And um, yeah, it, it, the, the second goal of, of Yatta was really great. So in, in the end, you need to uh, recharge your batteries. You need to win the next home game against Paderborn. And then you can take up speed again. If, if this was the small series of games that we are not winning then that's it and that's fine with me and now uh yeah well we, we've shown against Dortmund that we are good enough to compete with these teams we just need to bring it on the pitch in the next couple of games great Paderborn unbeaten on the road St. Pauli unbeaten at home so this is going to be a draw right Jasmine yeah we we need more draws we have 
Hamburg has hogged all everyone else's 1-1 draws, so we need a 1-1 draw there. <laughs> they are, they are draw as we, as we like to call them, as I like to call them. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Mike, just one quick thought. I mean, on, on the last show of, of last year, we talked a little bit about Beccari chatter, and uh, I know you hate to lose a derby against HSV, but... Were you sort of pleased that out of all the players who could have scored that winning goal against you, it was him who really has had a horrendous time in the press over the last couple of years at times? No. <laughs> <laughs> You're not that magnanimous, well, no. Uh, well, okay, it, 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 it was really great. If you could have chosen any player out of that bunch to score that... Yeah, okay, then it will be him, but um, yeah. Anyways, uh, well, uh, turning to you, Jasmine, life is smiling on Darmstadt, on uh, Thorsten Lieberknecht's boys. Uh, the restart to the season has been great for you guys so far. You won the last match against Ingolstadt, and then you had a, a bit of a surprising draw against uh, <laughs> KSC 2-2. So four points from two matches. So uh, Darmstadt, they are pretty much where they want to be right now, right? Absolutely. I think it was a little bit... Annoying to not be top of the table last weekend, especially after St. Pauli uh, dropped points the first time round. Obviously, it was a bit like trying to watch Bayern and Dortmund in the first league. If you knew Bayern dropped points and you'd hope Dortmund to catch up, if you were one of their fans, that you would know that the second team would also drop points. And it was kind of frustrating on the day. But no complaints now. Karlsruhe is quite a bogey team for Darmstadt I think from the last few years I'm remembering this from the top of my head so I'm probably completely wrong so I'm, go I'm going to bring up the head to head just in case yep last season they won both they did the double so actually we've gained points on them from last season which is always good and yeah I, I think the only kind of disappointing thing is that we could have had more against Ingolstadt It is Ingolstadt, and there's a few of those chances that keep on getting missed that you would really like to take. And in some other matches, especially like the Karlsruhe one, those can be the defining moments where you don't win. So we saw that against Karlsruhe, we saw that at times against Ingolstadt, And I'm wondering if there could be a change or two up front. Um, Tietz has not scored for a while. Anyone who saw uh, Luca Pfeiffer's, some of his misses... Has one of them just become a father? And Philip Tietz has, yes. And we were discussing... Sleep deprivation, dear people who don't have children, young children or have never had them, is murder. <laughs> yep, and that should be... I feel like there should be more studies about footballers becoming dads and their performance after their first child. Because it... it But Luca Pfeiffer was probably the, the last clinical one on the day who, from what I know, isn't a new father. But it could be a way in for Aaron Seidel. Um, he scored on the weekend and also is a very good and very unimaginably tall striker. He's taller than both Tietz and Luca Pfeiffer. Very, very tall. Unimaginably tall. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like if if we, I've said it on the podcast before. There is a style about tall strikers in this league. They're all nearly every team has at least one over one ninety, which compared to other leagues, I don't feel happens doesn't happen a lot. 
the the absolute prominence of them in the second Bundesliga probably because a lot of the Bundesliga two tactics is about the high ball into the area, being good at set pieces, etc. So taller players are favoured, especially in strikers. Aaron Seidel, for anyone who hasn't noticed, is around two metres tall. Oh boy, don't want to meet him in the back alley then. Uh, anyways, uh, turning to Europe's most informed side of all professional divisions. Ooh, who could that be? I'm smiling. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Yes, <laughs> it's taken me a while. Um, but hey, Ola Werner, he's coming at Werder Bremen and he's transformed the uh, unfun football of, you know, one week of a decent result to next week being a horrendous loss against some sort of, you know, mediocre side that you never imagine losing against into he's formed that team that, you know, was pretty much unpredictable and moody at times into a winning unit. And uh, I think unit is the key word here for that match against Paderborn because, let's be honest, as insanity on the pitch goes, from the pitch being awful to play on, VAR intervening at, you know, the most unnecessary points in the match to an awful referee, to loads and loads and loads of goals, and to Werder Bremen trading 3-1 and then winning 4-3, and Irma Toprak scoring the winning goal with his, I think it was his hip, which probably is one of the parts he's injured one million times on his body, but which part isn't on Irma Toprak. Uh, it, was, it was complete madness, and uh, I mean, for me, this game presented a huge test of character to this bunch, and even though when they went down 3-1 with half an hour to play, they were just like, yeah, screw it. We're going to go for three more now. And they scored two in the space of seven minutes. So what on earth? What on earth has Oliverna done to this team? What has happened since Anfang left and this man came in? Because obviously their footballing philosophies, as we discussed a little bit earlier on the show, aren't all that different, are they? No, and I think... Werder Bremen were hit with a lot of unlucky injuries. We had the fire sale. You had to really rejig that team to work together. And I think because the transition was so smooth between uh, Marcus Anfang and Ole Werner as well, both keel backgrounds, both kind of same football philosophies, them working basically together in keel had made it easier for this unit to become what it is now. Ole Werner, he's young enough to also have... uh, It it always strikes me to think he's only around two years older than I am, but he is young enough to really strike a chord and, and have that personality with the players, which is another thing to really work with this side. And I think that's the kind of attitude they needed. I think Marcus Zanfang, if he hadn't been a criminal and stayed with the team, would have been perfectly fine. But I think this Oli Werner's kind of attitude and characteristics just pushes them a little bit more than a Marcus Zanfang than anyone else that you could have picked. And yeah, you've had players come back from injury. You've got that same sort of style that really suits Werder Bremen. And now you have the personality. And you, even though there was that fire cell, you did recruit better than other teams. Let's put it that way. 
I mean, for me, and you know, Frank Bauman's contract is up at the end of the season. When you look at the the guys who are actually stepping up and doing doing what they're supposed to be doing, it's Umar Toprak, uh, it's you know Valkovic, it's Pavlenka back there, um, Bom, uh, Agu, um, you know, the many of the guys who were there before. But if you look at the transfers of this season, the guys he's brought in, his transfers like Roger Azale, who it's really nowhere to be seen, honestly. And, you know, the, the biggest and best transfer Werder has done all, all transfer winners is pretty much Marvin Tuch, and that is the guy Anfang wanted, not necessarily Frank Baumann, right? Yeah, but I think in terms of those signings, I mean, you needed a strike, you needed someone who scored goals as well as Marvin Tuch does, and someone who knows the league, such as Schalke buying Taroda. It was that kind of element of buying and sometimes if you're in that league, and remember, Marcus Anfang's more seasoned in that league than Bauman in terms of coaching and what you need, that sometimes those decisions need to be made and it is up to the coach. Obviously, the coach isn't there anymore, but I think Ole Werner is more than happy to have that kind of striker replacement. And him, something I didn't think was, would happen is the partnership between him and Nicholas Fulkrug. I thought Fulkrug was not going to perform and something from that loss in Darmstadt really fired him up. <laughs> Let's say that. Well, I mean, uh, we tried to give them a nickname on our podcast when we called them Fulksch. <laughs> then Werder Bremen went out and called them Dukschkrug, which I found to be absolutely... No, that's horrible. Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, who's <laughs> writing those tweets? Jesus Christ. But anyways, uh, then Nicholas Fulkrug came along into the press and uh, let's be honest, he, he did better than, than we did and than the vertebrae and media department did. He just got said, well, we're the ugly birds. And not in like... <laughs> the word Sorry. bird is not, it's not like in, you know, like in a sort of like East London sort of kind of way where we, we call a woman a bird. It's it's just, it, you know, it, it's not meant to be that. It's It's just an ugly... Ugly fucking thing, you know? I, you trying to explain this is more perfect than anything on this podcast, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> Stepping around potential sexism. <laughs> We're all walking on like souls here. Anyways, let's change topics ever so slightly and uh, turn to the fun story of the week. And that is how the 96s fans, they have uh, actually bought the website name Heinz von Heldenarena.de and uh, well, uh, funnily enough, uh, the Niedersachsen Stadion is going to be called Heinz von Helden Arena next year. Congrats to them. I mean, it's just one of those things in that conflict between the Hanover fans and you know the, the officials at the club that it it just it just keeps producing great stories, doesn't it, Mike? Yeah. Um I hope that they also secured Heinz-von-Helden-Arena.de because otherwise it, there will be a very easy solution for the club to manage that. But I just hope that they will earn some money from Heinz-von-Helden or from the club itself. Uh, for them, it will be just some pocket money and uh, for the fans, it will be great. So... Yeah, I, I just hope that this will work out fine in the end. And um, probably this will be, uh, yeah, I don't know. The the end of the whole process uh, will, will be that Martin Kinn steps out of that club. There can't be any other solution. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, he likes hiking in the Alps, and, um, you know, he, he should go on and do that. I mean, he's missed transfers because of that, and, um, <laughs> yeah, it's time to go, Martin. Enjoy your sunset years. Come on, man. Anyways, uh, prediction time. You know, we looked back on the last podcast and um, told you who we thought were the best players of the Hinlunder, the best teams, the best coaches, the big scandals and all that. And now that we are at the start of a new year in 2022, it's time to look forward. So I'm going to ask both the both of you uh, for your predictions and I'm going to give my predictions myself as well. So time to uh, pick the three sides that are going to be potentially promoted. Mike, who are going to be the two teams promoted directly and who's going to feature in the promotion playoff? I will go for Werder and Schalke to go up directly. And I, I won't say who will be third, but it will be one of Darmstadt, St. Pauli and HSV. Is, is that, that okay or do I need to pick one team? Well, I mean, Then I go for Darmstadt, of course. Well, there you go. <laughs> HSV to finish fourth. <laughs> yeah, for fourth will be HSV, of course. Right, Jasmine? Anyone who knows me knows that I hate picking predictions from this league because it's basically masochism. When, when I asked you last week, what could we do? And you were like, yeah, we could do predictions. And then I said this. <laughs> I have good ideas, but not great ones. Um... I'm going to actually stick with my start of the season predictions, which was Werder Bremen and Hamburg to go straight up. And then between Darmstadt and St. Pauli on the third place. Right. No time for my picks. And uh, well, you know what? Actually, I, I, I do have a little bit more belief in Darmstadt than the Two of you, I think Darmstadt are going to go directly up one division. And, uh, you know, then I'm not going to pick St. Pauli in second. I'm not going to pick HSV. I'm not going to pick Werder. I'm actually going to pick Schalke. And um, in third, as much as it pains me, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pick HSV. Because looking at that side and looking at their playing style, looking at the sort of chances they have produced and looking at how many matches they should have won in the Hinrunde, this team should actually be almost done and dusted in, in, in sort of the, the points total. And uh, if seasons have sort of a funny way of evening themselves out at times, I feel, and that might just be it. I mean, I, I think if things are going to turn around for HSV, but um, as I'm quite crap at predictions, let's hope I'm wrong. Anyways, uh, relegation time then. Who is going to go down? Uh, maybe I can go first this time. I'm going for... Ingolstadt, <laughs> controversial pick right from right from the top there, right. Ingolstadt, and I, I think, I think actually, uh, Fortuna Düsseldorf are going to go directly down, and Rostock is going to be featured in the relegation playoff. Jasmine, how about you? Ingolstadt, our straight down. I'm actually gonna just go Sandhausen on the playoff, but I don't think they will go down. So you're saying everybody is staying put? Yeah, pretty much. Mike? Ingolstadt and Auer, that's correct. No way for Sandhausen. So I will pick Hanover. Hanover, right. Yeah. Anyway, so who's going to be the biggest surprise? Um, I think we can all pick one, and this could be a team official uh, player. Who's going to be the biggest surprise of, of the Rückrunde? Uh, Mike, I'm going to start with you. The biggest surprise of the Rückrunde will be, 
I was not prepared on that, I'm sorry, then I will just pick Sandhausen because no one really believes in them. I do. Ooh. They will finish on place 10. Wow. <laughs> that is some prediction. Now, now you, you thoroughly, thoroughly surprised me there. Right, Jasmine, uh, have you got uh, an even bigger surprise up your sleeve? I've already made three predictions to go up, but I feel like Heidenheim have an outside chance because they are so quiet, but they have 10 wins, which is most out of the top four. So if the, my three that I previously put up to get promoted or the and third, I think Heidenheim also have an outside chance. Yeah, true. I mean, um, as, as you may have heard of my... Um <laughs> relegation tips. Uh, my my tip for the biggest surprise of the Rückrunde is um, going to be Bolwan because they've taken one point from the last two matches and they lost the the last match five nil. It's, it's going to be Ara. I think they're actually going to turn things around and um, not go down. Uh, who's going to score the most goals? Jasmine, you you're certainly going to pick a Darmstadt player, right? Yeah, I'm going to go Philip Teets. I think that was obvious. <laughs> yeah, that was quite obvious. I don't know why I ask. Mike, how about you? Uh, Guido Burgsteller would be too easy for me, so I go for Sven Michel Paderborn. Sven Michel and Paderborn. Well, um, you know, I'm, I'm going for the uh, least controversial, you know, the easiest tip, and that's going to be Simon Terodde at Schalke. So there you have it. Anyways, uh, we'll be back in part two to talk a little bit about what's been going on in the lower divisions and talk a little bit about ground hopping. Stay tuned for that. Right, here we are, part two of Ausstieg. Well, last year we talked about Sascha Mulders, a 36-year-old striker who played at uh, 1860 Munich, uh, who has quite a beer and, uh, what shall we call it, uh, food stomach. He was actually let go by 1860 Munich when it turned out that the dressing room had turned against him. Players there didn't want him there anymore. You know, he had quite a mighty fall from being, you know, the, the sort of biggest star of the team the captain to going to being let go basically and uh, well he's now found a new team one division further down in the regionalliga southwest in uh, groß asbach uh, where he's going to be an assistant coach and player groß asbach is currently really struggling in that division uh, that division is actually going to restart in february i think but right now groß asbach are actually Second from bottom in 18th. And the teams from 16th to 19th are going to be relegated. And depending on, you know, relegation from the Dritte Liga as well, there might be another two teams that might get relegated as well from that division. So the first saved spot in that division is 13th spot, which is currently five points away from them. So Gross Asbach, new coach, new assistant, who's Sascha Mollers, uh, Manuel Conrad as well, player with uh, Bundesliga 2 and 3rd tier experience, joins them. I'm sure that many of our listeners haven't heard of Gross Asbach before. Mike, fill us in. Wow, what should we know about Gross Asbach? What, you know, I mean, the, the word Gross means big, but it's certainly not a big team, big city, or big anything there, right? 
correct. Uh, they played in the third league a couple of years. Uh, I haven't been there. I'm sorry. Uh, so I can't tell you anything about their ground. Uh, but Sonnenhof Groß Asbach is uh, the full club's name. And you might be a little bit surprised, but what this club is most famous for is Andrea Berg. Who's, who's An Andrea Berg? Ah, Andrea Berg is uh, more or less famous singer from Germany. And she's... Well, she's always fighting. She she would like to fight uh, on on place number one in the singers list with Helene Fischer. Of of course, she has no chance at all. Well, you just make me a little bit atomless there. <laughs> <laughs> you should see the two of them, right? <laughs> Yeah, and, and she comes from Gustavsbach. I, I think, I might be wrong on that, but I think there's also a stand called uh, by her name, but I'm not sure about that. Maybe it's just a myth. And I, I think they would have loved to go back up to third league again, but uh, there's no chance at the moment. But there could be a, a, a big new story for Sascha Mölders, of course, because their next game will be against Schott Mainz. And this is the only team that is behind them in the table so there at least is the chance for a good start there you go um i just googled andrea fischer and stand by the way uh, and i andrea berg andrea berg well there you go <laughs> andrea it's uh, just a freudian mistake because i'm obviously thinking about helena fischer and uh combined the two of them and well i don't find anything other than that there's going to be an open air concert with her in vienna in the middle of 2020 where you can sit on a stand so um maybe we have to do some more googling anyways um shot mines yes that is a team that is going to be is last in the table and actually then i think they're playing against a team that is um just ahead of them in the table actually on the next match day they are going to play against uh Pirmasins, which is also a side also down there, so definitely some good chances. But um, you know, going by the profiles and the kind of players they've gotten in there, experienced players, they could turn things around. But anyways, uh, sort of a little bit of a charming story there. Sasha Melders still trying to live the dream as a footballer, and uh, hopefully things go well. I think we'll be checking in with Gros Asbach a little bit further down the line. Uh, Anyways, uh, let's turn to KFC Erdingen. News came around from Kicker a couple of days ago that uh, the club most likely won't face a nine-point deduction, which it was slapped with at the start of the season, for going into receivership, uh, which is great for them, as they currently are on, uh, let me see, nine points. So KFC Erdingen, fill us in there, Mike. They're a team in the Regionalliga. Why are they down there? What's been going wrong for them? How many hours do we have? So, <laughs> how big is this bloody match? Because this is certainly one of a one of those stories which we could talk for for indeed for hours and hours and hours. I, I, <laughs> yeah. Let's do a short, you know, cliff notes, a short condensed version of, of the story. I think we we talked about uh, Puno Marev, who was the sponsor of that club and who was also engaged in. I don't know, ice hockey and other teams and so on. And every time it's the same story. He tries to develop the club to the European Championship. And uh, at a certain time, he realizes that he has no chance to succeed. Then he loses interest. He takes out his money again and 
the club is um, devastated. So uh, this was more or less the story also at KFC Erdingen. And after they went bankrupt last year, they needed to leave the third division. And now they are struggling in the Regionalliga. And the, maybe the, the, the worst of all that was that they were not allowed to play their home games in the third league in Erdingen. They, in the first year, they needed to move to Düsseldorf which of course in that big stadium was far too expensive for them. Uh, last season they played in Duisburg, I believe still far too big for them. Yeah, and now I, I think they play at home again, but um, yeah, it's it's uh, still pretty much impossible for them to stay in the league, even if they won't get any points deducted. Uh, they do have 10 points that they are 10 points behind Bonn at the moment. Bonn has the first safe place. Uh, they just got nine points. And now there are, I don't know the details, but uh, in the end, the DFB decided that with that point deduction last year and with the uh, relegation to the Regionalliga, they were punished enough and therefore they won't deduct the nine points this season. It's not the final decision, so it might change again. But if these nine points would have been deducted, they would be at zero at the moment. So they do have nine points. But yeah, well, even if they keep those nine points, it won't help them. Right. I mean, it's uh, 60 matches left for them where they have to basically bridge a 10-point gap. So, I mean, if they don't pull off, let's say, three or four wins from the next five matches... It's pretty much done and dusted. And they've only got one win this season too. So yeah. trying to quadruple the wins that they have is probably not looking great. Yeah, maybe for for the next uh, show we can discuss uh, the Regionalliga West a little bit more in detail because Rot-Weiss Essen tries to get back up. Uh, Alemannia Aachen has a similar position than KFC Erding. So many, many topics. Really big relegation problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, let's pencil that in for the next show. Um, Regionalliga West, uh, a deep dive into the abyss of once great clubs. Anyways... Time for the ground topping tip of the day. Where are you taking us today, Mike? I, I, I won't take us anywhere uh, today. I just would like to recap that Andrea Berg story because in the meantime, I googled it and I know now that there is no stand called Andrea Berg stand, but I know now why this club is called Sonnenhof Groß Asbach. Sonnenhof is a big hotel in that city, village, whatever. And the owner of that hotel is Uli Ferber. Who is? You might not know him. <laughs> He's the husband of Andrea Werk. Ah. Yay! And there's a, there's an article I can send it to them. You could to you you can you can link it in the show notes, uh, where he explains that if Andrea is singing, we don't play football. So everyone is there sitting and watching her. And uh, yeah, he's he's the big sponsor of Sonnenhof Groß Asbach. The club is named after his hotel. And of course, that's uh, the thing I had in mind. So no stand, but the club name. Well, also fine. I mean, Jägermeister <laughs> Braunschweig didn't come to pass, but this did. Yeah. And, and uh, um, to, 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 to just to say a few words about that ground, I don't think that uh, it was ever sold out. It's just 
existing that stadium and um, it's called Mac Arena the Mac Arena but it also changed its name to Wir machen Druck Arena uh, Wir machen Druck is a flyer print service and the capacity is 10,000 but let me see if they ever reached more than 5,000 maybe if Dynamo Dresden was there. Yeah, it was once sold out against Dynamo Dresden, like I said, 9,750 people. And uh, that's it. The, the game which had the second most people attending was a game against Dynamo Dresden, of course. In the season before, there were 7,300. So I wouldn't say it's a ground-topping advice. Maybe it's more a ground-topping warning. <laughs> Avoid, avoid. <laughs> could you ever imagine us, you know, we talked about doing a roadshow and could you ever imagine the three of us saying, yeah, let's stay at the Sonnenhof and listen to some Andrea Berg live music and then go and watch Gross Asbach at the Wir machen Druck Arena. Yeah, but I, I just see that every single year there is a concert of Andrea Berg. So no joke. Also, David Garrett was already there. So maybe... <laughs> <laughs> we can find a nice concert. Bring on Metallica or, you know, <laughs> Andrea Berg warming up for James Hetfield. How would that be? Thanks for, for that warning, Mike. I think uh, it's, it's, a, it's a perfect way of rounding up uh, this show, um, which uh, has been produced, as always, by Aiden Rain Tool, um, who can find our podcast on Twitter at Talking Foosball. Mike, where can your work be found? On Twitter at Mike Cru or on the Millantone. Jasmine? Um, my Twitter is at Jasmine underscore BH1 and all my work you can find there. Right, she's a big star writing for The Athletic these days and still with us. Uh, I truly appreciate that. Uh, you can find me at Norm Musings and you can find this podcast on Patreon as well, where we currently have a series going called Scandal, which is about all the biggest scandals within German football. If you do read a bit of German, you can actually find an interview by me of uh, EF coach Arne Sandster in the current edition of El Freunde, the magazine, the print edition. So check that out if you have the time and are so inclined. Uh, until next time, it is goodbye for now. <laughs>